the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. They nailed him to a wooden cross. Soon all the world would feel the loss of Christ the King before his hallelujah. 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 He hung his head and prepared to die. Then lifted his face up to the sky, said, I am coming home now, Father, to you. A reed which held his final sin was gently lifted to his lips. He drank his last and gave his all the glory. Took from his head the thorny crown and wrapped him in a linen gown, then laid him down to rest inside the tomb. The holes in his hands, his feet inside, now in our hearts we know he died.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. A man lay dying on his bed. His sisters sent a message to Jesus. It was simply, Lord, the one you love is sick. The message finally reached Jesus and his response to the apostles, to the disciples, was this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. God's movements are deep and hidden from human eyes most of the time. We don't really know what he's doing. He's just moving powerfully behind the scenes. Now, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He had spent many happy evenings dining with them. But when he heard that Lazarus was sick, He didn't do anything. He continued his ministry where he was. And finally, after two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you're going back there? I love this man, Thomas, his response was, was quite different. They said, Jesus, he'll get better. He'll get well. We don't want to risk going back to Judea. But Lazarus was dying. Thomas said, let's also go that we may die with him, that we may die with Lazarus and we may die with Jesus because this is certainly a suicide mission. But they began the journey back, walking day after day until finally they reached Bethany just outside of 
Jerusalem. When Jesus arrived there, he discovered that Lazarus had already been dead and buried for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I want you to look with me today at the hard-hearted response that this woman gave Jesus even though she loved him. We have hard hearts. The greatest struggle in my life has been against my hard, prideful heart. She responds, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. It was a, a rebuke to the God of heaven and earth who had come to die on a cross for her. So many times in my past, I've charged God with being late. I have laughingly said to friends, you can trust Jesus, but he will always be late. He will never come on time. Because in my experience, the crisis would come and I would cry out to God, whether it was for money or healing, whatever it was for. The healing of my late wife. Whatever it was for, it always seemed that God was showing up late. He would show up, but late. That's hard-heartedness. That's sin. God is never late. God is never going to not show up. Now, we may not like his answer, and we may not like when he comes, but he is God. It's not in my place to judge the God of heaven and tell him, you're late. That is, as a superior talking to an inferior. A boss telling an employee, you're late again. Would you get your act together, or I'm going to have to let you go? You've been late twice this week. Don't make it a third. Three strikes, you're out. How dare we address Jesus the God who came and died on Calvary's tree as a man, that he's late. He's never late. He does all things well. But in the hardness of our heart, we have expectations and demands. Now, some 
respond to this question about Jesus by saying, I don't even believe he'll come. I don't trust him. Oh, yes, I love Jesus, and I'm a Christian, and I follow him. But he's always let me sink. He's always let me die. There is in us a desire to hide our weakness, knowing in our humanity that we're in charge of ourselves and it's up to us what's going to happen. And when things go wrong, when things are hard, when death comes, we're tough, we're strong, we're stoic. Well, at least he's not suffering anymore. Which is really saying God didn't come and heal him. And he should have. We're we're hard-hearted. We have judgments in our heart against the almighty God of heaven and earth who came in total transparency, in total vulnerability, and we make accusations against him because everything isn't working out the way I want it to work out. I don't have the money I think I should have. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. I want, God should do it. And so some just say, look, I'm not even going to believe in him. I'm not going to be, I will not even be a Christian because it's false. He doesn't show up. He doesn't care. He doesn't love. Really? The height of a hard heart. A bitter heart. I'm just going to live my life the way I choose to live it. And if he sends me to hell, that's tough. Really? Is your pride so great? Is your heart so hard that you will lodge accusations against the Most High or you will simply ignore him and pretend he doesn't exist? Really? As I see the, the hardness of my own heart, I am deeply grieved. I'm deeply grieved by the hardness of my heart, and may I be honest, I'm deeply grieved by your hardness. Was it not enough that Jesus was willing to die on the cross? and suffer every torture and punishment for me, that I would dare come with accusations against the God of heaven and say, you're late? You're not doing it right? You're not enough? I'm going to ignore you, God. I can remember, and I'm ashamed to say this to you, but I need to because it's true. When my late wife died, the Lord had said something very disturbing to me. As I was praying for her healing, 
He said to me, you're too big for me to heal, Jim. I was devastated. He was right, and I was wrong. But that didn't help me when she passed away, and my heart was so utterly crushed and broken. And I said secretly in my inner heart, he doesn't care, and I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm going to give God the silent treatment. I'm just not going to talk to him anymore. And that went on for, for some time. And I didn't pray. I was accustomed to praying constantly and many times every day and long sessions of prayer. I just said, if God's going to treat me this way, I'm not going to pray anymore. And if I die, I die. So what? I was angry. I was bitter. I charged God. I accused God. I was wrong. And the day came when I had to pray. My heart was so lonely for him. I knew I was wrong. I knew I had sinned against him. So I began repenting for my hardness of heart and my bitterness of soul and my lack of trust. But in the midst of that prayer, I had to say to him, can I ever ask you for anything again? Because almost certainly you will say no. Oh, another Nasty accusation against God. But for some time, I didn't ask him for anything. I just was willing to worship him. I was willing to pray. He came very close. But I wasn't going to ask him for anything because I didn't want the disappointment and my heart was hard. We don't like to be vulnerable with God, and we like being vulnerable with people even less. We don't want anyone to see our weakness. We don't want anyone to see our pain and our anguish. But the way to healing is not to hide. Hiding simply makes our heart harder and makes it more difficult for God to come and give us what he wants to give to us. What I finally had to come to is that live or die, I am his I am utterly helpless in my own conscious mind. I am humbled 
I'm insufficient. I'm undone. I'm not God. I'm not God. He is God. He rules, not me. My wishes and whims do not take center stage. His will, his power, he is the creator God of heaven and earth. He's in charge. I'm not in charge. I am nothing. And he is everything. She answers when Jesus says, your brother will rise again. She answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She gave a perfectly good theological answer in the midst of her anguish and pain. Theological answers do not satisfy the heart of God. And it bursts out of Jesus. He can't constrain himself. It bursts out of Jesus. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you hear? He's standing in front of a woman who is weeping, who is giving him theological answers. And he says, well, 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 stop. I'm the resurrection. It's not some future deal. I am resurrection power. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Another straight theological answer. How I wish that Martha could have just fallen on her face before the Lord and wept and said, my heart is broken. I miss my brother, but I trust you. Whatever you've decided, Lord, that's okay with me. I trust you. I love you. You're the boss. Too many times in my life, I have taken refuge in theological answers. Theological answers are inadequate to deal with the pain and the anguish of the human heart. We must have the personal touch of Jesus Christ to heal the pain of our life. She left. She walked away from Jesus with her theological answer in place. And she went to Mary. And she said, the teacher is here. That's what they called Jesus, the teacher. And he's asking for you. I want to tell you something that is so precious to my heart. Jesus is asking for you. He sees the hardness of your heart. He sees the pain and the anguish of the physical pain, of the emotional pain, of the financial pain. He's he's asking for you. Now, I'm going to say something. I'm not a prophet, 
I'm not the son of a prophet. But I'm going to tell you that in the latter part of the year 2022, America is finally going to begin to seek after God. We are walking into a time that is going to be so desperately hard that we will have no recourse if we are Christians. And even many who are pagans. But to hear that Jesus is asking for you and to turn to him in repentance. What are you going to do when gas is at $7 or $10 a gallon? How are you going to drive? That's what's coming. Assets are going to they're going to lose their values. If you own a house, it's going to dramatically drop in price this year. If you're in the stock market, it's going to crash beyond anything anyone can imagine. I don't know how low it will go, maybe two or three thousand. I don't know what will happen. I can just tell you that I know in the spirit that this year we are going to see such financial anguish and pain. That we're going to have to hear God is calling for you or we won't get through. You need to make preparation. Some of you are already living just barely paycheck to paycheck and some of you have lost your jobs and you've had to move in with family or or worse. Many in America are already feeling the pain and the anguish and saying, what, what are we going to do? And many of you have turned to your credit cards and you're borrowing against those credit cards to their, to their max. You're buying your food at the grocery store with your credit card and you're not paying it off at the end of the month because you don't have enough money coming in to stretch it that far. A great reset is coming, and it is at the hand of God. Because sometimes the only way God can get our attention is to take away from us I raised two beautiful daughters. The discipline that worked the very best in their lives was time out and take away. Time out and take away. Those are also God's favorite means of isolating us. Oh, he has put me in time out. I've been in time out for years. And it is reaping a harvest of righteousness in my life. It has humbled me. And take away. God has taken away from me a precious wife car I loved, 
the retirement I depended upon, the house that was mine. God has done take away with me and time out with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's going to do that with you also because he's calling for you. And America this year in 2022 is going to have to begin to seek God or we will perish. God is playing deep He will be honored and glorified as God. Now, Mary gets up very quickly and, and she runs to where Jesus is. And when she sees him, she too wants to see him, but she falls at his feet. Unlike Mary, I'm sorry, unlike Martha, Mary falls to her, her face before the Lord. She falls at his feet. But she also says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She also, in the tenderness of Mary's heart, has a judgment against God. If you'd just been here, my brother would not have died. It's your fault. God, it's your fault I've lost everything. It's your fault my wife died. It's your fault I've lost my money. It's your fault, God, it's your fault. And so I have to decide. Am I going to be the stoic, tough man and say, okay, I can make it anyway. I'm strong. Or am I going to humble my heart before Almighty God? And say, you're God. I'm not. Jesus sees the weeping sorrow of her heart. And then the Jews come who were following. And they're also weeping with sorrow. And he is deeply moved by the sorrow. Deeply moved and troubled in his spirit. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord. Mary has no theological arguments. All she has are tears. An accusation, but tears. And those tears move Jesus in a way Martha could not move him. All Jesus got from Martha were theological affirmations. The modern church just has all of its theology down. It's theology about the rapture, and it's theology about hell, and it's theology about salvation, and it's theology about the sinning Christian, and leaves Jesus untouched. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they said. In John 11.35, the shortest scripture in all of the Bible, but one of the most powerful, Jesus wept. 
at their sorrow. He was touched by their sorrow. You want to get Jesus' attention? Stop accusing him and begin to weep before him and humble your heart. Recognize how utterly undone you are, how insufficient you are, how how helpless you are. Let him thoroughly humble you until you know you cannot change your situation. And if God doesn't save you, you're lost. The Jews said, wow, look, he loved. He loved Lazarus. But some of them came with again an accusation against God. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? They come to where the tomb is. It was a cave with a stone across the entrance. And Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been there for four days. I mean, here's the fact giver. We come to Jesus with all of our facts about why he can't do what he wants to do, why it's inappropriate, how how much stench he's going to create by uncovering our wickedness. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus simply looks up to heaven. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. That they may believe that you have sent me. This whole situation in Mary and Martha and Lazarus' life is set up, it's being used by God to have them believe in the Messiah. God will go to any lengths necessary in your life to convince you that God is calling after you and he wants you. And if you harden your heart against him, he will have to increase the pressure until finally something breaks or until you are so confirmed in your unbelief and your hardness of heart that all you are fit for is the fire of hell. I don't want to be hard anymore. I don't want to be crusty. I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be accusatory of God or of or of people. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be full of theological truth and devoid of tears. The modern church is full of theological truth. Much of it incorrect. 
but we are strangely devoid of humility and tears. I can tell you this year, the American church is going to have to learn how to cry. Yes, Mr. Tough Guy, you're going to have to learn how to cry. You're going to have to lay down your pride. You're going to have to enter into that place of insufficiency, of humility, before you can receive what God wants to give you. Jesus, he simply prays, and then in a loud voice, he calls, Lazarus, come out. It's a good thing he said Lazarus, because there were many people buried there. If he had not identified who he was speaking to, they all would have come rolling out of their tombs. It would have been quite a sight. The dead man came out. They heard the shuffling of his feet. He was bound up. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen. A cloth was around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Are you covered today with grave clothes? The grave clothes of bitterness and anguish? The grave clothes of accusations against Almighty God? Are you covered with the grave clothes of unbelief and hardness? Have you become stoical? I can deal with this. I'm the man. I'm the woman. I don't need God to do something. He's not going to do it anyway. I don't trust him. I don't believe in that. Really? What's that gotten you? Has that gotten you what you wanted? Are we so content in what we think we know that we can come against the God of heaven with accusations and judgments and hardness of heart? Really? You understand we're in trouble. America is in desperate trouble, and the church in its apostasy is in desperate trouble. We're full of our propositions and our opinions. We're full of what we think we know, but what we think we know has not saved our soul. It's not made us righteous. If you have repented in your pride without tears, you didn't really repent. You don't really understand what you've done to the God of heaven. You don't understand what you have accused Jesus of. Jesus 
is at Bethany. It's the Jewish Passover. His crucifixion is coming. Jesus is sitting at, reclining at the table with Lazarus and others. They have come to a dinner given in honor of Jesus. Everyone wants to see Lazarus because it's a testimony. They've never seen a dead man come back to life. In the midst of this celebration and joy of Lazarus being alive, Mary comes with a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet and she wipes his feet with her hair and the house is filled with the fragrance. I'm sure there were tears mixed with that precious nard as she wept at Jesus' feet. One of the disciples, Judas, who was later to betray Jesus, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as the keeper of the money. He used to help himself to what was put into the money bag. Jesus replied uncharacteristically harsh. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you'll not always have me. Oh, it's very personal for Jesus, what Mary did for him. It was not a theological act. It was an act of utter pouring out of one's heart and resources for Almighty God. Yes, I want to ask you, how have you poured out your life for Jesus? Have you come with accusations against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Have you come with your superiority and your knowledge? Have you come and your anger and your bitterness? Have you come in your unbelief and said, he never shows up, I'm not going to pray. Are you mad at God? You know what, I'm, I'm just hearing in the spirit, some of you are so angry with God. And some of you listening to this broadcast, interestingly enough, the Holy Spirit is saying to me that you have feelings of hatred toward God. And you're not going to you're not going to let go of those. You're you're really angry. I guess today I'd like to ask you, will you forgive Jesus? Now, he didn't do anything wrong. He's God. But from our side, sometimes we have to say, okay, Lord, I 
forgive. I let go of it. I'm not going to hold that against you. You knew best. I didn't. Are you willing to come to Jesus with something other than theological arguments? Are you willing to come to Jesus with something other than your pride? Are you willing to come with tears? Are you willing that Jesus should give you a tender heart? Are you willing to stop taking refuge in your knowledge and your hardness of heart? I know that if you have judged Jesus, you have judged others as well. And I know one of the conditions for having your sins forgiven is that you forgive those who have trespassed against you or who have hurt you. Are you willing today to just do a broad sweep of your whole life and say, Lord, I no longer have any enemies because I've forgiven them all. Now that's going to take some time. It's not quickly and easily done. But a hard heart can only be changed by the presence of Jesus. And if we're going to receive from Jesus what he wants to give us, we're going to have to become utterly undone in our own minds. We're going to have to recognize our insufficiency, our helplessness. We're going to have to be conscious of our own helplessness. We're going to have to be thoroughly humbled before we can receive what God wants to give to us. I don't know any way for that to happen except by confession of my bitterness and my anger and my hardness of heart. Now, you can play psychological games. You can begin to think positively about yourself. You can be gentle with yourself. You can... Humanism at the very bottom doesn't work because it's a lie. Because the truth about you and the truth about me is that we are utterly, utterly evil to the very core. And the only good thing that is in us is what Jesus Christ has placed there. And that bitterness and that anger and that hardness of heart is so easily stirred up when we don't get what we want. I'm in that place now of just waiting on the Lord, knowing I am utterly undone. I have no claim to fame. I have no claim to talent or ability. I have no claim. I'm insufficient to even do this broadcast. 
I am helpless in my own consciousness. I am being humbled before Almighty God, and He is humbling me by time out and by takeaway. And I've learned that it is useless to fight against God on the takeaway deal. And I've learned that it's useless to fight against God on the time-out deal. I've learned that it's useless to fight against the Almighty God of Heaven. My arms are not long enough to box with God. And so I wait upon Him. And I watch the freight train of deprivation and sorrow and trouble come upon America. And I know it is the judgment hand of God that is turned against a very wicked church and a very wicked nation. And we're going to have to humble our hearts before Almighty God. The sooner you begin doing that, the better off you'll be in the days that are coming ahead. Because then Jesus can begin to speak to you and tell you where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do. But you're going to have to give up your anger at God, your hatred of God. Yes, I'm hearing in the Spirit some of you today have real hatred toward God. You're angry. It's time to come to our senses and recognize that there is no one other than God, that he alone rules over your life. You are in his hand to do with you as he chooses to do with you. And he is calling for you. And we must come not as Martha with our theological truths. We must come as Mary. Not with accusations, but with falling at his feet with tears. That alone will deeply move the heart of Jesus. He sees our pitiful condition today. He sees my pitiful condition. And I am in a pitiful condition before him. He sees that. I can't pretend other than that. And so I am in obedience to his command, which was to me, wait upon the Lord. Enter my rest, Ray. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray. I would love to get your response. How have you reacted to what I have shared? Do you know it to be the truth? I want to thank those of you who are so graciously giving to help cover the cost of this radio broadcast. Thank you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. That's National 
Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, National Prayer Chapel, one word, nationalprayerchapel.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. That helps Google to spread it even wider. Many find us by going to Google and searching certain topics. So would you sign up for that? And I also invite you to come and worship with us on Sunday. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you'll find where we are located in Woodbridge, Virginia, and find directions for how you can find us. Lord, I've spoken as clearly and as honestly as I can the word of life. I pray that many today will hear and respond and will come weeping before your feet, humbling their hearts. For I know there is much you desire to give your people, but first we must be humbled. I love you, my Lord. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Pilgrim's Progress today. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'd love to meet you in person. We'll talk soon. Tomorrow, a day of prayer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 